right. Good morning, Lighthouse. Can you guys hear me okay? Sure? At the back? Good. Thanks, Frankie boy. Um, <clears throat> guys, yeah, so I want to ask if you could bear with me this morning. Um, I think there comes a time where certain things should never be compromised on. And I feel strongly in my spirit that this topic that we're going to just touch on this morning is one of those topics, it's one of those things that cannot be rushed. It cannot be broken down into small pieces. It's got to be unpacked and unfolded because we're speaking about the Father, the Father's heart. So please bear with me. This, for me, is probably one of the, the most beautiful topics because of the revelation in my own life. So if I get emotional, please bear with me. But um, I really just want, if there's one thing I want you to take away this morning, is the Father God wants you to know His heart for you this morning. And before I even begin, I just felt in my spirit, you young guys at the back there, can you do me a favor? Can you stand up for me? You three and you two. Can you tell me your name? Sherwin. Sorry, we're second guy. What's your name? Aaron. Lucian. Tigger. Yeah. Lionel. Just have a look at these boys. Boys, this morning, <laughs> the Father calls you by your name. I might know your name, and we might not know your name. But your heavenly Father knows your name, and this morning he's calling you by your name. That's not a chance. It's not by accident that you're here this morning. So do me a favor, boys. Listen carefully. Just give me, give me a little bit of your time, because this morning the Father wants to speak to you. Okay? Sit down for me. Thank you, guys. But it goes for all of us this morning, guys. Please, listen with an open heart. Open your heart wide this morning. The word Father is a very sensitive word for a lot of us because a lot of us grew up perhaps with absent fathers or perhaps grew up with fathers that might not have been the ideal father. So every time the word Father is mentioned, we automatically, the first person you think about, if I say Abba Father, the first person you think about is your earthly father. Maybe some of us don't have an earthly father. Maybe we grew up without a father, so we have no reference of who Abba Father is. And this morning, I'm asking, can we just, I want you to completely reset everything that you've ever known about Father. I just want you to completely just erase everything that you know, and I want this morning to, to, to start afresh on what the word Father means. Is that cool? So we, we're talking about the prodigal son series. If you, if, you, if you haven't heard our previous preachers, please go and listen to them. This is following on from that. The prodigal son, he leaves, he runs away from home. He spends all his father's wealth. He comes home because he realizes his mistakes. He's out there in the world. He's joling, he's living his life. He runs away from his father. What do you think his father's response is? In the natural, 
What do you think the father's response would be when that son that spent all of his money comes home? Maybe some of us feel, yeah, that father's going to be ready to discipline me, to give me a couple of good ones. Man, I'm telling you this morning, (laughs) your heavenly father is the complete opposite of that. I want to I want to emphasize this portion of Scripture this morning, and it's John 14, verse 8. And Philip says something very profound to Jesus. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And this morning, my prayer is that the words that proceed from my mouth is not from me, but from the Father, and that from that you might receive just a glimpse of the Father. The father's heart towards his sons in the story that Jesus tells us is exactly the same. From the son that lives a debaucherous, sinful, getting up to no good life, to the son, his other son, that is self-righteous and holy and is doing all the right things, but he's so far from his father's heart. The father's response to that son and that son is exactly the same. What does he call them? Calls them my son. Whether the son was far away physically or whether the son was far away in his heart, he still calls them son, both of them. And on what grounds, on what grounds are they, they, do they deserve to be called son? On what grounds? (laughs) Because of their position as a son. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit for you. What is your experience being if you behaved like the younger son or if you behaved like the older son and you came home, what would your experience be? What would your dad have said? And how does that make you feel right now, sitting here? It doesn't matter how old you are. I don't care if you're five and I don't care if you're 85. How do you feel about your dad, about how he made you feel when you came home? from something like that. And let me ask you something, dads. How would you respond to your child that squatted everything you worked so hard for? What is your response to that boy or that girl that comes home? And what is your response to that boy or that girl that is so far away from you doing their own thing? What is your response? Have you, closed your, have you closed your heart off? I want to share with you a little story about Elisha, my, my son. He's four. Well, he's going to be four in October. And I'm trying the best I can to be a dad to my boy. I'm trying to be the dad to him that I've always wanted. I think every man, I'd like to believe that every man would want to be the best dad for their son. And um, my boy is a mischievous little guy. He's exactly like me when I was a kid. Man, I've got so much grace for this boy. He's, he's so mischievous. But every time he does something, I laugh inside because I'm like, I'm exactly the same. You know? So I've got so much grace for this little boy. So he picked up a little habit of taking sweets and not asking. We call that stealing, right? And um, he did it once. We've, we caught him stealing his sister's sweets. And um, I set him down. Now, to t- explain to a three-year-old what stealing is and why is it wrong is very difficult. I think only the Holy Spirit in the moment can give you the words to say, you know. 
And I sat him down and I explained to him, I said, my boy, this is why stealing is wrong. And I said, my boy, the next time you do that, daddy's going to take you to the police station. Because you see, and now some of you might think this is harsh, but as a father, I'm loving on my son and I need to protect him. And I said to him, my boy, if you do that again, I'm going to have to take you to the police station. So please don't do that again, okay? I said, okay, dad, I won't do it again. As true as anything, I think it was two hours later, <laughs> I catch this boy red-handed again. And I, and I really thought to myself, I thought he would have got it. But then I realized he's three. <laughs> I said, my boy, go put your shoes on. He's like, where are we going, daddy? So I said, my boy, I'm going to have to take you to the police station. He thought I was, he thought I was joking. He, he, he paused for a second and thought I was joking. Michelle even thought I was kidding. I, I promise you with all my heart, I didn't want to take him to the police station. I was fighting that thing. But I knew I had to honor my word. I had to protect this boy because this is going to be good for him. But it killed me inside. So he puts on his shoes. He says, Daddy, where are we going? I said, we're going to the police station. So his face automatically changes. I put him in the car, put his seatbelts on, and we're driving to the police station. And he is bawling his eyes out. He's crying. And my heart is breaking for my son. Because I don't want him to go into the police station. He's going, through, he's going through enough right now. So we get in there, and I don't know what to do. What do I say? Can you open your jail? Can you, you know, like, so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. So I said, my boy, sit there on the chair. And I'm, not, I'm not shouting at him. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a loving father that's trying to discipline his son. And I, and I, and I go to the, the lady, the police lady behind the desk, and she's like, what's wrong, my boy? I said, hold on, wait, sh- just wait a second. I said, I need you to be strong right now. I said, I'm trying to teach him not to steal. Are we able just to go and see the jail cells, what they look like? I just want to show him. And she's like, no, there's no ways. Thank goodness maybe she was like, she's, the, 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 the lady's side was like, boy, that's a bit too much. I'm like, okay. She said, I don't think we're going to do that. It's not going to be good for him. I said, please, I just need you to just speak to him for me. Just tell him whatever. Just tell him not to do it again because I don't want to bring him back here. I never want him to end up in this place. So she had a little conversation with him, and he was bawling. I promise you, I've never seen my kid cry so much. And I was with him the whole time, and the lady spoke to him, and I took him by the hand, and I took him to the car, and I put his seatbelt on, and we drove home. The, the drive home wasn't a very long drive, but he was <laughs> the happiest, most excited I've ever seen him. There was just something in him that changed, that shifted. And something did shift in my boy. He, hadn't, he never stole for <laughs> a long time. <laughs> a long time. It really hit home until, until he recently he stole some of his sister's sweets again. And I had to sit him down yesterday. But this time, I said, my boy, come sit down next to daddy. I said, my boy, remember what daddy said about the police station. And, I, and he, he remembered. He clicked. I think he actually forgot about the consequence of stealing. And I said, this time, my boy, daddy's going to talk to you. I'm going to be gracious to you. Come sit down, daddy explain to you. And I can already see, he already realized his error. I didn't need to take him back. He realized. And he will most probably do it again. And the Lord will give me strategies on how to deal with it again. But the point is, I'm trying with all my heart to show him what a gracious father is. A father that loves him, that wants the absolute best for him but a father that also wants to teach him, protect him from himself. 
that everything he does is not good and trying to mold him and shape him. And that's, that's what the father does in the story with his sons. He's so gracious to his sons. Even though his sons didn't deserve it, the father says, my boy, I love you regardless. And that is what the father is saying to us this morning. My children, I love you regardless of what you've done. I still love you. You see, guys, the thing is, before you even knew God as Father, He paid a price for you. Even while you were still sinning, even though you were still far from Him in your heart, and even you might even be far from Him right now as you sit here, your Father paid a price for you before He even formed you. In Revelation 13, it says, May your names be written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. You see, God already knew we'd mess it up. He already knew. He took his most prized possession, his son, to stand in the place for you and for me. That's how much he loved you. So don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Your father has already qualified you. Regardless of where you stand, regardless of where you find yourself, boys, regardless of what home looks like, regardless of what your friends say, your heavenly father has paid a price for you that he can call you son and that you are able to call him father and that he will never leave you and he will never let you down. He will never change. And for the rest of us, he will never change and he will never let you down. The problem with the oldest son in the story is that he was blinded for his need for his father. You see, he was trying to achieve his sonship. He was, trying to, he was trying to earn it. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and there's things in your life that you are doing to try and earn God's favor in your life by coming to church, by going to life group, by, I don't know what it is, by trying to be good. You cannot earn sonship. I'm gonna unpack that just now. That, that, that just resonated with you. What is the destination of Christianity? What is the destination? Some would say heaven. I'm going to challenge your theology this morning. The destination for every person on this planet is the Father. I'm going to say that again. Your home, your destination is your Father. Because where your father is, is everything that you will ever need. Heavenly father. Who shows us the father? Man, guys. <laughs> John 14, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. John 12, 49 says, I do not, Jesus is speaking. He says, I do not speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me to say, and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is what the Father tells me to say. Mark 10, 18. The man, the man calls Jesus good. He says, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is no one good but the Father. You see, Jesus doesn't take the glory for himself. He points all the glory back to his father. And what does the father do? He points all the glory back to his son. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. Isn't that beautiful? So where do we start, guys? 
Where do we start? We start by being conformed into the image and likeness of the perfect son so that we can draw near to the perfect father. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Why? Why do we need to be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus? Why is it a struggle every day to try and pursue, to try and do, to try and figure this word out, to try and hear God, to try and do the right things? Why? Because we are trying to be conformed into the image and likeness of the Son. Because when we can start being like the Son, man, we will see the Father like the Son sees the Father. But it starts with being like the Son. See, there's a picture in the Bible where God reveals himself as Father, and he also paints a picture of his likeness in terms of a marriage. It's interesting, hey? It's interesting how we men, we're part of the bride of Christ. It's interesting, hey? And it's interesting that even women are referred to as sons. Do you know that? When the Bible talks about sons of God, it's not gender. The, the Lord is not talking about gender. He's talking about, he's talking about sonship. He's talking about children belonging to him. He's talking about inheritance. Old school, the son got all the inheritance, and the girls didn't get much. And the father just changes that whole culture, and he says, you are my sons. It's not a gender thing. It's an identity thing. It means that whether you're a man or a woman, your inheritance from your heavenly father is exactly the same. But what the devil does and what he has does and what he's doing is that he's completely distorted what father means and he's distorted what marriage is. And we as people, as humans, have a completely distorted understanding of what father is and what marriage is. If we think about father, we think about somebody that's abusive or somebody that's absent, somebody we don't even know. He's never been there for me. Someone that would always just break me down. That's our understanding of father. Or if we look at marriage, my parents are divorced, my, like, this, I'm going to come from a broken home. All my friends, their parents are divorced. Is that what marriage is? It just ends up in destruction? That is what the enemy and the devil uses to paint a picture of God. So when we see a father, when we see broken marriages, we link it to, to a father that we, we just can't seem to understand because what kind of a father is that? That is the strategy of the enemy. And that is the strategy that the devil uses In Ephesians, 1, uh, in Ephesians 1, Paul describes the Father as glorious, a glorious Father. How many of you can describe your fathers as glorious? And when I say this, I am not, I'm not knocking dads and I'm not knocking fathers. But how many men can put up their hands and say, I have been a glorious father? I don't think any of us have the right to that title. But it's interesting how Ephesians, Paul paints this picture of how men are to conduct themselves, how women are to conduct themselves, how children are to conduct themselves, how employers and employees are to conduct themselves. But his prayer is this. He says, 
that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know the glorious Father better. See, you cannot be a good father if you do not know your heavenly Father. You cannot be a good employee or a good boss or a good wife or a good child if you do not know your heavenly Father. The better you get to know your heavenly Father, the better you will be in every area of your life. <laughs> Fathers, husbands, let me talk to you quickly. When you speak to your wife, do you, when you're praying for your wife, do you say, Lord, <sighs> Michelle, this, this woman... This woman that you gave me, Lord, yeah, you, need, you, need to, you, need to, you need to convict her, you need to speak to her. Guys, listen to me, let me tell you something. When you refer to your wife, understand this, is that, yes, she's your wife, but she is her father's daughter. She is a daughter of the Most High God. I want that to change your perception when you pray and when you speak to your wife. I want that to hit home. When you speak to her and your tone and what you say, are you speaking to her as a daughter of the Most High God that He has put you in charge to look after and care for? Wives, the same. Same applies. When you speak about all the men said amen. I know, boys, I know. I'm with you. Wives, do you pray for your husbands as a son of the Most High God? that he has given you the privilege to look, and look after and care for. I think if we, if we prayed more for our husbands and our wives like that, I think we'd see our marriages in a little bit of a different place. Let's check this out. John, um, John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus then answered, and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the things the Son does in the same way. So it comes back to even your tone. Even the tone. Do you know, realize something? The tone that Jesus spoke in is the same tone he heard his Father speaking to him in. You see, you can present the truth in a situation, but you can execute it so bad that you can completely destroy someone. And Jesus never did that. Jesus brought the truth, a hard truth, but he did it with such love because that's the tone that his father told him to do it in. Can we do the same? <laughs> Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Lighthouse. <laughs> if you can just catch a glimpse of the Father, I'm praying, and I know that He will be enough for you. Boys at the back, I want to I tell you a little story, and, and I want to tell everybody a little story about this kid. And just for the sake of the story, we'll call him Johnny, okay? <laughs> and Johnny... Johnny was just this little kid, born in a Christian home, and he, man, <laughs> he had it pretty rough. His, Johnny's dad was a pastor, 
Johnny's mom was a worship leader. She sang in the band. And Johnny would go to church every Sunday, and he would see his dad preach, and he'd see his mom on the stage worshiping. But when Johnny got home, things were very different. See, the man that Johnny saw preaching on a Sunday wasn't quite the same man that Johnny saw at home. So when Johnny would come home, Johnny's dad would physically abuse him. And that broke him. Broke him. Johnny struggled with identity issues his whole life. His mom was also not really too much in the picture. She suffered with, she had an alcohol problem. So she also wasn't quite there for little Johnny. Johnny's dad was also always busy working. He wasn't really always present. He didn't come to rugby games or soccer games. He wasn't there. And Johnny's dad was, physic- was, was abusive physically but also emotionally. Johnny's dad would break him down a lot all the time. Never really had anything good to say. Johnny didn't do well at school. C's, C's was very high for Johnny. It was normally D's. That was, that was the average. Joffy's, jo- Johnny suffered with depression and insecurity his whole life. Johnny struggled to make friends. Johnny couldn't even talk in class. He was so afraid. He, had, he was so, he just had no confidence and no identity. He couldn't even stand in front of a class and talk. There was no safe place for Johnny to run and hide in, in his life. His home was broken. His view of God was broken because what he was told about at home, or what he was shown at home, what a father was, and what he was told about at church who the father was, was completely different. And this completely confused him. Johnny lived an absolute nightmare (laughs) that he couldn't wake up from. He always felt like a failure. He always felt like he wasn't good enough. And whenever Johnny's dad would come home from work, Johnny would hide. Like literally, like he would go and hide in his room. And Johnny's relationship with God was exactly the same. Johnny would hide from God because Johnny was scared of God. Johnny, was, Johnny would always think that God was disappointed with him and angry with him and just waiting to clap him. That's how, so, so Johnny just hid himself from God as well. Johnny did have two awesome sisters that were there for him and helped him. He had an older sister that was trying to figure life out by herself. And he had a younger sister too. And him and his younger sister were best friends. They were thick as thieves. They knew as long as they were together, everything would be okay. Johnny's little sister was his safe place. And she was the only one there for him. And life carried on. And eventually Johnny's parents got divorced. And it was... 
It was an ugly divorce. It wasn't great. And that affected Johnny and his sisters quite badly. Johnny's mom ended up in rehab. Um, and Johnny's father just kept on doing what Johnny's father was good at doing, just doing his thing, being a pastor, not being there, just working hard. Johnny's father was trying to do the best that he could, that who knew how. Johnny's mom, being in rehab, meets someone and ends up leaving rehab and moves in with this, with this guy. And it was quite scary because Johnny's mom and Johnny's mom's partner would come and fetch Johnny and his sisters from school. But they would be absolutely drunk. So every ride home was like a roller coaster. Johnny never knew, like, but, you know, are we going to make it home today? There were some scary times for Johnny. And Johnny always thought to himself, is this how life is supposed to be? Johnny had no other reference of what life should be like. Johnny had no reference of a good father. He had, he had a reference of a father that was trying his best, but his execution wasn't so great. Something happens in Johnny's life where Johnny's mom gets taken away from him, where the man that Johnny's mom met in rehab ends up murdering her, and Johnny's left without a mom, and that completely just breaks his whole life down. So Johnny and the two sisters, basically, they feel like that's, that's just all that, that there is. That's all that they have left. So they, the relationship with their father also didn't just kept growing further and further apart. And just when you think it couldn't get any worse, Johnny's little sister gets called home to heaven. And she dies. Can you, can you picture what Johnny is going through? Johnny is completely broken, unrepairable. And I don't know. I don't know if some of the story is touching some of your hearts. Maybe you find similarities in the story. I want you to listen carefully. In that moment, hopeless destiny stared him in the face. And maybe hopeless destiny is staring you in the face where you look at your life and you think, there is nothing in my life that is worth anything. I have done nothing to deserve anything of worth. I'm a failure. I'm fatherless. I'm homeless. I have nothing. Life, whatever life will give me is what I will take. And if I have to end up dead on the side of the road somewhere, then so be it. And that is the lie that the devil would come and tell you. And that is the lie that the devil told Johnny. And then what happened is Johnny called out to God. And he said, God, if you are real, I haven't seen you up until now. I haven't felt you up until now. But if you are real, if you are a good father, then you show yourself to me. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of life? Why do I even try? What's the point? Love Johnny said. 
And over time, the gracious father starts revealing his heart to little Johnny. He brings people into Johnny's life that shows Johnny what it means to be a good father. Where these people would love on Johnny, would take him under their arm and treat him like a son. God would put people in Johnny's life that would help show him his identity as a son, not of his earthly father, but as a son of his heavenly father. And this just didn't make sense to Johnny because he just, he couldn't understand it. Because he's not worth it. He's never deserved it. He cannot be worth it. Long story short, the father, the gracious father, takes Johnny to a place and blesses Johnny and gives Johnny a hope and a future and completely transforms his life around. Takes him, he was headed for destruction, he was headed for death, he was headed for disaster, and the gracious father says, my son, not you. And the gracious father blesses that boy with a beautiful wife and three beautiful children and three businesses. And Johnny's just loving life. And Johnny gets to stand here in front of you and share a little bit of that story about my life about how God saved me, little Johnny, that I can stand here as a son of the Most High God because of what He has done in my life. And my prayer this morning, church, is that the Father would reveal Himself to you. No matter what you have gone through, no matter what life has thrown you, no matter what your home looks like, no matter what your father has said to you, no matter what your mother has said to you, no matter what you have lost, your heavenly Father is calling you home this morning. Our best as fathers will always fall short if we do not hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. The problem with this country, the problem with South Africa, is not a government problem. It's not an economic problem. It's not an inequality problem. It's a father problem. The problem with this country is that we have absent fathers. We do not have fathers at home raising their kids. And I'm going to shock you a little bit. And forgive me if I'm taking time. I just, I really want this to hit home because I want this to be a changing day in your life. While preparing for this message, I went on to Stats SA and I wanted to read some stats about fathers in this country. And this is sad. There was a, there's a report called an absent father report from 2013. Okay, this is a long time ago. And in 2013, almost half of South African children had fatherless homes. Almost half. That was in 2013. And according to Stats SA, and this is sad, Stats SA revealed that in 2018, 31% of black children did not have a present father at home. 
In 2023, the Human Science Research Council stated that over 60% of children live without fathers. And then there was a study called All for Kids. And I just want to share some of these stats with you because <laughs> this is hectic. Children who feel a closeness to their father growing up are twice as likely as those who don't to enter a college or get stable employment. 75% are less likely to have teen children. 80% less likely to spend time in jail and half as likely to experience multiple depression symptoms. 71% of school dropouts are fatherless. 
of showing the lost, of showing young boys and young girls what it means to know the Father's heart. So the question is, church, do you know the Father's heart? Because how can you show them if you yourself are far from Him? There's three points that I want to close with. And this is this. Church, I want you to forget every single lie that the enemy has spoken over your life. Today, those lies are broken in Jesus' name. This is the first point. Listen to me carefully. You cannot achieve sonship. You cannot work for your position as a son of God or a daughter of God. You cannot earn it. It doesn't matter what you do. You will never be able to earn it. It is a gift. God himself gives it freely. He's already paid the price. He sees you valuable, bro. He sees your worth. He did it for you. No one can take that away from you. He's your father, bro. John 1 verse 11 says, He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let me tell you something, Lighthouse to the Nations Church. Listen to me. You are not here today because your mother and your father slept together and you are a result and you are sitting here today. That is not why you are here. You are a result. The Father in heaven had a plan and a purpose for you and that is why you sit here today. You are a result of Him. He called you into being. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are here And He has given you a plan and a purpose and a future and a hope. And if you're listening online, the same applies to you. You cannot work for it. It's given freely. Just receive it. You don't have to be a product of your upbringing or your circumstances. It doesn't matter whether you know your Father or not. You are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is how you get to know the Father, through His Son. That was the first point. The second point is, your identity as a son and a daughter of God is not based on performance. It's based on position. If God calls you son, you are son. If God calls you daughter, you are daughter. Nothing can take that away from you. Matthew 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, uh, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit coming down and God descending like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with Him I am well pleased. So don't listen to the world. Don't listen to social media. Don't listen to what your friends say. Don't listen to what your parents say. Don't listen to what the world says. The Father calls you son, my son. (laughs) 
my daughter. What's interesting is that the moment that Jesus gets baptized, he's never preached one sermon. He's never performed one miracle. In our human eyes, he's never done anything up until that point to earn or deserve or work for his father's love. But what does God do? He says, that one, that's my boy. I love that boy. I'm pleased with that boy. He's done nothing to earn it. I love him. And the Lord is saying, the Father is saying to you, my boy and my girl, I love you this morning. You don't have to earn it. Stop trying. I love you. To Peter 1.17, Jesus received honor and glory from the God, from God the Father, from when the voice of the majestic heaven from glory saying, this is my son whom I love. I am well pleased. This comes right at the end of, almost at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he's crucified. His father again says to him, this is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Honor and glory is something we try to achieve our whole lives. I'll say that again. Honor and glory is something we try to achieve our whole life. But your heavenly Father gives it freely. <laughs> he gives you glory and He gives you honor. And this is the last point. The enemy will try and rob you of your identity. As soon as you leave these doors today, the first thing that the enemy is going to come with, did God really say are you sure? Are you sure you're a son? Did God really say that? That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's lying. You're just going to turn out like your dad. Your friends are right. Your parents are right. The enemy is going to throw everything he can at you. Church, listen to me this morning. Recognize the lies of the enemy and shut it out. Don't even entertain it for a second. Because me, I can go back into the past and I can open that box of hurts and I can go in there and, well, my dad this and my mom this and my life this. And what will happen to me? It will destroy me. It will take me back to the path of destruction. Where God is saying, my son, we're done with all of that. We close that box. My boy, come <laughs> Come and see what I have for you over here. Come look at this beautiful picture, this beautiful destiny that I have for you. So don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't listen to the lies of your friends and your family. Straight after Jesus' baptism, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And his father says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Straight after that, Jesus goes into the desert. What happens? The devil comes. And he says, hey, Jesus, if you really are the son, turn these stones into bread. And the first thing that the enemy will come to you, he will say, Andre, you think you're a son? What about this? What about this area in your life? What about it? Has God been good there? He will lie to you. 
He will try His best to rob you of what your Father has given you for free. But what do we do? Men and women, what do we do? Sons and daughters, what do we do? Jesus says to him, It is written. This word of God can never be changed. It is eternal. It is God's love letter to you and to me. From the beginning of time to the end of time, this word will stay and it will remain. And when the world is confused, this word will never be confused. If you're looking for identity, if you're looking for yourself, you will find it here because God's love letter He wrote you is right here. And Jesus says, it is written. Listen, devil. Listen to me. I am a son. Do you know who I am? I am a son of the Most High. (laughs) And this is His love letter to me. So don't come here with your nonsense. Church, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Church, I pray that our gracious Father would reveal Himself to you in a way that you've never experienced Him before. A Father of love, a Father of kindness, a Father that's not angry with you, a Father that loves you, a Father that wants you to come and sit on His lap like a child so that He can hold you and that you can just talk to Him and He can talk to you. That is the Father I want you to experience this morning. That is the Father that wants to reveal Himself to you this morning. Can we close our eyes?